United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Lucy Kurtzer-Ellenbogen is director of the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict Program at the U.S. Institute of Peace. She previously worked with the Department of State as an Arabic language specialist and as the program officer for the Kennedy School of Government's Middle East Initiatives at Harvard. She's here to discuss a very important summit that went down in Israel. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Julie. Um, it's really great to have you back. Uh, this summit, it, I mean, it got a little bit of play, but not too much. Can you tell us about it? Sure. Well, this is um, really quite a a groundbreaking meeting that you uh, saw last week. You had uh, at the foreign minister level, Israel and four Arab states, Egypt, uh, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates and Morocco, along with the United States, again, at the foreign minister level, meeting in uh, Israel. So deeply symbolic, certainly. Um, You could not think of a... um, a more dramatic way maybe to underscore the acceptance um, of Israel uh, into the Arab world, into the region by these Arab states um, since the signing of the Abraham Accord. Uh, this meeting, uh, which let's remember it was at Israel's invitation and, and not only did it um, uh, not only did it take place in Israel, but really in quite a symbolic location. Uh, it took place in Kibbutz Shtei Boker, which is very much deeply associated in the minds of Israelis as the final home of um, David Ben-Gurion, who was really Israel's founding father, the first signer of Israel's Declaration of Independence. So again, on a symbolic level, certainly what you had here um, is something quite powerful. And let's also remember that it was... Um, that the U.S. was there, but as an invited guest, we're used to seeing these kind of summits when we've seen them a couple of times in the past, hosted uh, by a third party. And mm. here this was really a very homegrown effort. Um, it, it's interesting, isn't it, to see the United States and other countries building on the Abraham Accords? Uh, absolutely. I mean, again, when these started, I think uh, these were seen certainly as historic and groundbreaking at the time, but I think there were questions about how far could they go. And what we've really seen, to different degrees with the different countries who are engaged, but we've really seen um, uh, a flourishing um, and full speed ahead in some cases. We've seen embassies um, established. We've seen uh, you know trade agreements, agreements on um, Uh, on energy, um, really all sorts of signs that these uh, were not just a blip, that these are really here to stay. And and I think that the one thing uh, to look at is there was a lot of analysis when the Abraham Accords were signed, um, that this was really Iran was the prime motivator, Mm. the sense of a shared threat um, by Israel and these states, uh, certainly in the case of the Emirates and Bahrain. But what you've really seen is these agreements and these relations Uh, go beyond uh, just uh, joining forces in the face of that shared threat, but to really look at opportunities down the line, again, when it comes to things like the economy, uh, tourism. Uh, It was announced at the end of the summit that there were these working groups to be established, one of which does deal with security, but other issues too, uh, tourism, energy, health, education. So again, you're you're really seeing a sense that um, these are countries looking for shared opportunities, um, not just trying to find common cause against uh, shared security threats is is the underlying is an underlying motivation for that the idea that with uh, better economic prosperity there will be less opportunities or, or or less need for violent conflict. 
Well, certainly uh, that that could be part of the consideration. Again, there's uh, there are many opportunities that the countries are seeing here, um, and I think that there's, there's probably um, some sense that that this can certainly uh, help uh, a situation in which you know um, I, I think many do make an association uh, between uh, violence and, and 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 lack of opportunity, lack of employment, those kind mm-hmm. of factors. Um, um, but but I think uh, I, I think again this is uh, this is what what, what I read uh, into this engagement as well, which which goes back to this idea of the United States being at the summit, Tony Blinken being there as an invited guest. Is this is really these um, these countries turning to what you say self reliance? I think there's been a sense uh, over the last number of years by uh, these states that the U.S. is retrenching from the Middle East. That is certainly their perception. Um, And I think what you're seeing in these countries saying we may not be able to rely anymore on the United States pulling the weight for us towards the interests we have in mind. And so it's uh, it's on us uh, to start to start putting more energy into that. And so that's what I read quite significantly into this, both on the symbolic visual level, again, the United States being invited there rather than being the host as one might have expected with this kind of dramatic summit in the past, Mm. Um, but really also a taking the reins of their own future. What about the two state solution idea? We know the Israeli, the current Israeli government is not that interested um, yes. Yeah, so what was very interesting, another interesting element about this summit, actually, I, I, it's it's unclear to me whether this uh, was a coincidence, but it actually happened exactly 20 years to the day since the signing of the um, Arab Peace Initiative in 2002. And just a quick reminder of what the Arab Peace Initiative was, that was a groundbreaking agreement itself at the time where the Arab states um, at the Arab League Summit in Beirut uh, came together and said, after Uh, decades since 1967 um, of saying we will not recognize Israel, we will not negotiate with Israel, we will not have peace with Israel. Um, Of course, Egypt and Jordan had made peace in the meantime, uh, quite controversially at first, but but there had really been this block of non-acceptance of Israel and holding to those three no's principles that in 2002 with the Arab Peace Initiative, the state said, we will agree to normalize relations um, and have peace with Israel once there is a negotiated two-state solution and a Palestinian state is created. And that line had really been held to until the Abraham Accords uh, broke that paradigm of Palestinian state, two-state solution having to happen first. And so you had this summit happening um, 20 years to the day since that was signed. And so one uh, wouldn't be um, wrong to say, well, it seems like no longer is this idea of needing to be a Palestinian state holding back any progress or cooperation between these states. Mm-hmm. But I think it is also important to note that if you look at the press conference at the end of the summit, uh, the term two-state solution was used a lot. Tony mm-hmm. Blinken, the United States Secretary of State, made a point of saying that this summit, as historic as it is, and these relations are no substitute for progress on the Israeli-Palestinian front. You had the Moroccan foreign minister um, uh, emphasizing the importance of reaching that goal. You had the Egyptian foreign minister, Samah Shukri, making that front and center of his remarks. Uh, The Bahraini foreign minister also mentioned it. So I think what we see is, yes, we are no longer at a point where these kind of relations, these shared interests the state see will be held back by no progress on that front. But the issue is certainly still uh, alive and well. And we should note as well in that, that glaringly missing from this summit was Jordan, who, while the summit was happening, was actually in Ramallah meeting with President Abbas. 
Ah, so it was it was a scheduling conflict and not some sort of a, a, a deliberate omission on anyone's part. Uh, I, I think I think we don't know that. I don't know if we will ever know that, but it was certainly <laughs> a striking juxtaposition that uh-huh. King Abdullah of Jordan was meeting with the head of the Palestinian Authority to talk about concerns of violence um, that uh, everyone is is very concerned about at a period of heightened tensions. Ramadan started over the weekend. Passover is upcoming. Easter will also happen, and those tend to be times when tensions do flare, particularly in Jerusalem around um, shared holy sites. And again, of course, the summit also took place um, against the backdrop of a spike in um, terror attacks uh, in Israel. I believe there were 11 uh, fatalities, um, victims of terror attacks in just one week in that period surrounding the summit. So again, this is a conflict that um, can be maybe put aside at times, but will not be ignored. Um, And finally, Lucy, uh, this summit was very far from Ukraine, but did the conflict in Ukraine come up at all? I'm quite sure the conflict of Ukraine was on the agenda. You know, each of these Middle East actors um, has a different set of considerations and set of interests in relation uh, to this conflict and uh, also at times different from the United States. Um, you know, if you look at Egypt, just as one party who was there, they are the largest importer of wheat in the world. And I believe over 70 percent of their wheat comes from that region, comes from Russia and Ukraine, I believe primarily Russia. Um, you have a period of time but because of this uh, war, there's oil prices are rising, um, wheat and other staples, are, you know, as, as the prices of those are rising, there is absolute concern in many of these countries about the destabilizing effects. So for sure, we can assume, I think, that this issue, what's ongoing, uh, the Russian war in Ukraine was certainly probably front and center on the agenda. And from the United States perspective, they also have an interest in getting certainly the UAE who was there um, to really to to help them uh, 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 mitigate against the rising oil prices you're seeing because of this. So far, that's revealed some tensions in the UAE and Saudi and US relationship. But this is something that all these actors have very much on their mind. Lucy Kurtzer, Ellen Bogan, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me on, Julie. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.